Well, if you have your Bibles, let's actually turn to, to Mark 11. As we are walking through prayer, we've been looking at various uh, examples of, of prayers from Scripture. And here's one that uh, Zachary did the Matthew uh, version of, but I wanted to, I thought it was a very well-timed look at some prayers of, of, of sort of desperation in Christ for salvation. Uh, this is what they, this is a prayer that was raised by the people on this day, on, on Palm Sunday, as, as the Lord is triumphantly entering uh, the city. Uh, Mark chapter 11, verses 8 through 10 says, And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they'd cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Now that, that word, we, don't, we, we often think of Hosanna just as like a, maybe a shout of praise or, or a proclamation of praise, but it is really a prayer. And it's a prayer that comes from uh, Psalm 118. Uh, Psalm 118 verse 25, uh, it says, save us. We pray, O Lord, that save us is the word Hosanna. If you're reading it in the Hebrew, as you do in your time off, you'll see that it says, we pray Yahweh Hosanna. We pray Yahweh, Yahweh, this is what we're praying, Hosanna. Oh, save us. Save us, O Lord, we pray, give us success. And so this crying out at at the triumphal entry, isn't just Jesus, you're great, uh, although that is part of what Hosanna had become, right? The Lord is fulfilling the promise of that prayer that they would pray going up to Jerusalem. They are, they are, the Lord is finishing uh, this prayer, this cry, uh, save us, we pray, O Lord, O Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna, we pray, Hosanna. Uh, and so I thought that was a really good prayer to look at today, if that's what they were praying on on, uh, you know, Palm Sunday, and it is Palm Sunday, like, what should we pray? Good prayer to look at, Lord, save us, Hosanna, save us, O Lord, we pray. So let's pray right now, uh, and then we'll start looking at just more things the Bible teaches us about prayer. So let's pray. Father, we come today, uh, and we dare to, to enter your presence and to Put your words on our lips and your name on our lips. And Father, we know we can only do that without fear, uh, Father, because of what you have done for us. We know that you have saved us. We know that uh, we can rejoice that salvation has come, that the prayer of of Psalm 118 was fulfilled in, in Jesus Christ, that you did come. You did bring salvation for your people. Uh, Father, that the... the, the The son of David has come, the one that David himself called Lord, a son, and yet one that he called Lord. Uh, And we know it is because this is that great blessed Messiah, the ultimate son of David, our Savior. And so, Father, we come today and we ask God that as we seek to worship you, that you would teach us from your word. Father, we don't want to just go through the motions of what Sunday's supposed to look like or supposed to be, Father. We want to come humbly and submit to whatever your word tells us to do, however it tells us to do it. Uh, and Father, that includes how we're supposed to pray. Father, sometimes we can be uh, 
sort of arrogant in, in praying the way we want or thinking that prayer is defined by us. I mean, it is not unusual, God. There are many that want to define who you are by how they feel about you, but we don't want to do that, Father. We are here today humbly saying, like the disciples, saying, Lord, teach us to pray. So please, Father, teach us to pray. And teach us today why sometimes praying is so hard. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. And that is where, as we're walking through prayer and looking at, you know, what is uh, prayer? Why is, is prayer important? We've seen that prayer is, we gave the most simple definition of prayer. Prayer is just asking God to do something. People always try to add little things to that and make prayer this really big and complex thing. But scripturally, prayer is just asking God to do something. And the Bible may not talk a lot about prayer, but when it does talk about prayer, it tells us that prayer is very important. And it tells us, it's funny, many people want to know that the how-tos of prayer, and we're going to get to those probably much later than you expect. Uh, people want to know the how-tos of prayer, but when you're looking at what the Bible says, the Bible is more concerned with the majesty of prayer than it is the mechanics of prayer. The Bible is more concerned with you understanding the great event that is happening when you are able to ask your heavenly father to do something than it is just surely the mechanics of how you, how you do it. Uh, so we saw the, the importance of prayer. There can be no doubt as to whether or not prayer is important according to scripture. But the Bible also tells us another reality, which is that prayer is important. Prayer is so important. And yet sometimes we don't pray. And yet Often we struggle with prayer. Sometimes we don't pray. Sometimes we don't treat prayer as important. Sometimes prayer seems hard. If prayer is this great thing, if prayer is this blessed thing, how can something so great be in our lives so difficult? How can it be hard to pray? If it is this, if it is this great blessing, well, the Bible tells us that there are things that hinder our prayers. There are hindrances to praying. And today, that's what we'll look at. Today, we'll look at hindrances to prayer. We'll see, uh, like we said before, the, the, the Bible never says that our problem is, is asking too much. But the Bible does say sometimes that we have a problem with not asking. Well, why is that? What gets in the way of prayer? And you, you, what we're not going to do is we're not just going to speculate. There are going to be a, a lot of reasons that we say what's gotten in the way of prayer. But let's see. First, the Bible says one of our problems is that even though prayer is great, we don't ask. So James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 it says, What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and don't have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. The Bible says we fight because we don't have what we want. We don't get what we want. And so what we do is we cause a fight. We quarrel. We don't have, he says, but the reason you don't have is because you're not asking. You're not praying. So as important as prayer is, there is a temptation that James even has to address and say, look, part of the reason you've got a problem is that even though as great as prayer is, you're not, you're not praying. So if prayer is important and if prayer is so great, what keeps us from praying? And like I said, we could, we could come up with all sorts of answers, but I'll point out some root reasons for not praying that the Bible gives. I'm not just going to, we're not just going to riff off of what might cause us to not pray. 
we're going to see that the Bible gives us a few examples of things explicitly that the Bible says, this is why you're not praying. I mean, we could go through all sorts of things like pride or selfishness leads you not to pray or coldness. But these are the things that the Bible says. And, and what's funny is you could probably trace whatever reason you've got for your coming to prayer and seeing how great it is and saying, well, Chris, if prayer is so great, why is it so hard for me to pray? If prayer is so great, why aren't we all just praying all the time? What's the matter with me or what's going on? You're going to be able to see that you can trace, you know, your own reasons for not being devoted to prayer. You can trace them to probably one of these things. They're all going to fall under one of these categories for why you're not, uh, you're not praying. What, what keeps us from prayer? And there are a couple things that the Bible points us to reasons we don't pray and we're gonna we're gonna work through those you know uh, bibliologically you know in chronology according to the bible uh we're gonna work through them in the order they find in scripture so this isn't like one was more important than the other so i put it first or the last one's really important so we're building to it this is just these are where the verses were in scripture uh so we're doing it in this order um so the first reason we see is one of the hindrances to prayer can actually be abundance. Abundance. Abundance can be a hindrance to prayer. One of the reasons you and I might not pray, and this makes sense, is because we feel as if we've got everything we need. If prayer is asking God to do something and we feel like we're doing all right, then we don't ask. We don't ask because we can't think of anything to ask for. What could God possibly give us that we don't already have? So if our lives are full to overflowing with blessings, what happens sometimes is we think I've got it made. So we don't even think to ask. Uh, We see this example in Job chapter 21. Job chapter 21, it's it's one of Job's answers uh, to the accusations of his friend. This time it's Zophar the Namathite. And Job points out that one of the tendencies of the wicked is that because they have so much, they feel no need to pray. So Job 21, verse 15, he's talking about what the wicked say, and they don't just say this because they're wicked, they say this, he says, because of all that they've got. This is part of Job's problem. The wicked say, those who are full up, what is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit do we get if we pray to him? See, the wicked see prayer only as a transaction. And so in this case, they feel as if they've got all that they need. So what they don't need is God. They're saying here, God can't supply anything for them because they've already got everything that they want. And and the Bible actually points out this temptation, not just for the wicked, but for believers in that really interesting section in Proverbs 31. The, the, the verses skipped by every prosperity preacher for all of human time. Uh, Proverbs 31, uh, where uh, Agur says, uh, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. And then what are the things? Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Now, why not poverty or riches? He says, feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who's the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. So here we see that son, this Agur, son of Jacob, he asked God, don't let me be a liar. Normal request, right? No one's ever like, 
Lord, help me to lie. You know, it's good to, it's normal for us to say, help me to not be a liar. But the second request is somewhat abnormal. He says, God, don't give me poverty. That is too little, nor give me abundance. That's too much. Now, why? He says, because the temptation of poverty, when you've got too little, is to curse God for not blessing you. Is to curse God for not giving you what you need. But the temptation of abundance is to forget God because he has blessed you too much. Cotton Mather said one time that faithfulness beget prosperity and the daughter devoured the mother. I love that. Faithfulness gave birth to prosperity, and the daughter devoured the mother. God in his faithfulness richly blesses his children, but if we're not careful, that abundant blessing that we're living in can cause us to forget the very one who blessed us. If prayer is asking God, and we feel like we don't need anything, then there's a temptation not to pray. That's why Job said the wicked say, what what good is it for me to pray? What what do I need? What am I going to get out of it? So one of the reasons you and I might be tempted to not pray is if you and I feel as if we have nothing to ask for. And that's interesting because James told us that we fight because we don't have and, and we don't have because we don't ask. But here we see the opposite. We don't ask because we already have. So James says, you you, you don't have because you don't ask. And here we're seeing you don't ask because you've already got it. And so you ask yourself, "Has, has God so blessed you that you have forgotten how much you need him? Has his faithfulness been devoured by prosperity? How can we test this? One simple, one simple test for this to see if you ever fall into this. Do you tend to only pray during times of great distress? Or are you motivated to pray much more during times of great distress? Is your heart pricked toward prayer only when it seems like your current situation might be in jeopardy? Right? Everything seems fine in your normal day-to-day life, so you aren't always asking God to take care of you or to protect you or to give you your daily bread because you don't need daily bread. You got a daily loaf and you've got loaves in storage, right? And so because of that abundance, you don't feel the need to pray. But then when things become difficult, all of a sudden you find yourself praying more. I think that abundance is one of the great hindrances to prayer that we don't recognize as America. I mean, if you If you look at the American life, I mean, if you get the American life in the scope of Job and in Proverbs, we would have been the wealthy ones. When he talked about, don't give me, you know, don't give me riches, they would have looked at our lives and been like, yeah, like the lives of all those kingly people there. With all the great blessings that we have, the assurances that we have, the the fears that we don't have. Where our greatest fear is, is gas is going to go up a dime and another dime. It probably will. It's not prophetic. Just probably will. Where our greatest fears are not whether or not we're going to have food to feed our kids tomorrow. Where our greatest fear is how will I have as much money as I need to have when I get old and need to retire? That's our, that's our fears. Is my 401k or my IRA, is that going to be enough? 
We are the we are the we are the rich ones that he was talking about. We are the ones that Job would look at and say, look at how blessed they are. And the result is that because of that blessing, because our lives are so easy, our prayer life is tempted to suffer. Because we God has provided us with so so much. And so if you're because because we don't we 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 feel less that sense of need. You remember how the, he said, don't give me riches because I'm going to say, who's, who's the Lord? If you don't have what you need, you are nonstop going to the Lord. But if the Lord has given you enough so that your greatest worries are, are minor, then you're not going to feel the need to pray over and over and over. And your prayers will suffer. They will be hindered even by Blessing. So has God richly blessed you? And yet that blessing caused you to turn to him less rather than more. Has abundance hindered your prayers? Like Job says, it hinders the prayers of these wicked who've got everything that they want. So they go, what profit is it for me to pray? What am I going to ask him to give me? I've already got everything. Has your abundance tempered your prayer life again you can see that if when when things get difficult all of a sudden now you really feel the need to pray that can be a sign that you've become comfortable in your abundance and it has hindered your prayers but abundance isn't the only thing that the bible references as a possible hindrance to prayer turn now to luke 18 luke chapter 18 beginning in verse 1 And he told them to the uh, parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So there we are. Is it one thing that's going to stop us from praying is we'll quit praying if we lose heart. If we, yeah, I want you to keep praying. What's going to stop your prayers if you lose heart? But, but what is it that causes us to lose heart? Because we don't want to just say lose heart because then we could make it be all sorts of things. I could make all sorts of reasons that you lose heart. But Luke actually, Jesus actually tells us what causes them to lose heart. So let's look, at, let's look at that thing. Why did they lose heart? Look at the rest of Luke chapter 18. So don't lose heart. So this is the parable he gives them so that they won't lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so that she'll not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So he's, in describing what it is that led them to lose heart, Jesus takes them to the, to the character of God. He says, I don't want you to lose heart. And so he takes them to, to who God is. Why, why did they lose heart? Because they began to doubt God. And that's the second thing. Doubt can hinder your prayers. They're losing heart because they doubt who God is. So then in verse, verse 6 and 7, the unrighteous judge, he said, the unrighteous judge will give justice 
Do you not think that God will give justice? So he's saying is the problem is you're doubting the justice of God. Why would you lose heart? Because you don't think God is just. You don't, you're not sure that God is going to do what is right. And he says, so you lose heart. So you quit praying. He says, this widow, powerless widow, no reason that this judge would have to listen to her. She goes to him over and over and over. And this unrighteous judge who fears neither God nor man, he does the just thing. And you're not sure that God will be just to you, his elect, not a widow, his elect who cry to him day and night. Why do you lose heart? Because you doubt the goodness of God. You doubt God. But our, our doubt of God's character isn't just his, his justice or his righteousness. It's also a question of his diligence. Because they wonder not only is God going to answer, but if he's going to answer, he's going to answer quickly. And so in verse 7, Jesus says, is God going to delay long? No, he'll give, he'll give them justice speedily. These words about the character of of God are meant to address the doubt that causes us to lose heart. And when we lose heart, we don't pray. So why don't we pray often? It is because we doubt the God that we're praying to. If you have doubt, James is going to talk about this as well. We're going to hit on it when we talk about ways you should not pray. We doubt his goodness. We, we act as if he will not do the good thing, even though we expect the unright, even though we're shocked. We're shocked if a judge today does something wrong. We're like, can you believe this sinful person who is a judge did the wrong thing? We're shocked by it. We'll share news stories about it. And yet, we doubt God will do the right thing. And so since we go to God with our prayers, we're not sure about who he is. And so since we doubt that he cares about us, since we doubt that he'll do good to us, even though we're his elect, we lose heart in our prayers because we doubt him. Because we question his goodness. We question his righteousness. We question his justice. We question his compassion. As if we're not sure God, if he does care, he doesn't care enough to answer right away. He says, not only do I care, not only does God care, but he cares enough to answer you speedily. God is not, so what we often do in prayer is we go, well, I'll pray, but who knows when God's going to answer? Who knows if he's even listening? And God says, of course you lose heart. Can you imagine talking on the phone to someone? Have you ever talked on the phone to someone that you're pretty sure is doing something else? And you're talking to them and you're like, I want to say the most ridiculous word right now and see if they catch it. And that's kind of how we feel about God when we pray. I'm going to talk to him, but I'm pretty sure he's doing like a million other things right now. I'm pretty sure he doesn't care about my prayers. So of course you would lose heart if that's what you thought about God. Of course you would lose heart if you thought you were going to a God who didn't care about you enough to answer you, who wasn't going to do the right thing. And if he did, he was going to do it eh, just whenever he wanted with little thought toward you. Jesus says, this is why your prayers are hindered. 
This is why you stop praying because you've lost heart. And what have you lost heart in? You haven't just gotten discouraged about life. He's not saying, hey, pick your chin up, everybody. Life's going to get better. He says, you know why you, what you have lost heart in? You are doubting God. And if you doubt God, if you doubt his goodness, if you doubt that he cares about you, then your prayers will be hindered. In the same way, if you went up to someone and you had a conversation with them, they just kind of blew you off. The odds that you would then go back to them is, you know, just confidently and, well, let me tell them again. And if we feel that way about God, then yes, yes, our prayers will be hindered. Jesus tells us they'll be hindered. What we lack, he says, is what he says at the very end of that in verse 8. He says, I tell you, they'll give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's what we lack when we pray. We lack faith. We lack faith in God. Not faith that he's going to answer. Not faith that God's going, but just faith in who he is. Just faith. Just not faith of, you know, I believe if I pray it and I mean it, this is going to happen. But pray, faith of God is good. He is just. And he loves me. When we have that doubt, when we lack faith, Jesus says, your prayers will be hindered. A lack of prayer is often a sign of a lack of faith. If you're wondering what is hindering your prayer lives, it might be a lack of faith. Now, the problem might not be that end of the phone line. The problem might be how you're viewing that end of the phone line. We think God doesn't care, which is crazy because he's proven that he does. We think he isn't good when he's proven that he is. And that's what's crazy about this. All of this doubt about God is totally unfounded. They're unfounded because we think less of God than we do others. That's what he says. One of the problems, you think less of God than you do unrighteous judges. That's what he said in Luke 18. You expect this judge to act, but not God. The truth is, Jesus tells us, not only do we think less of God than unrighteous judges, the problem is we think less of God than we do ourselves. Jesus talks about this in Luke 11. In that passage where the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus warns them about this. He says, what father among you, this is Luke 11, 11 through 13, what father among you? If his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He says, look, you know you're all failures. You, you know that you are evil parents, yet you know how to be good to your children. You know about the unrighteous judge. And yet you trust him to be just. You know about you and all your failures. Yet you expect yourself to give good gifts to your children. And yet you doubt me. Our lack of faith is to such a degree that we think less about God. We, we think less of God than we do of ourselves. This is, this is a big, doubt is a big temptation to not pray. That's why Jesus mentions it in Luke 11. That's why he mentions it in Luke 18. Why do you not pray? Because you do not have faith. Not just faith that the, the prayer will be answered, but faith in the one you're praying to. You doubt him. 
And if you doubt God, of course, these prayers are going to be hindered. And God, does, what's funny is God does all these things. He always promises he will always be just. Deuteronomy 32, 4 describes the character of God. It says, the, the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Even ungodly Nebuchadnezzar recognized God's righteousness. Daniel chapter 4, verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Instead of doubt, we need to have faith. And faith, faith in God will breed confidence in your prayers. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we will have the requests that we have asked of him. Rather than doubt, a healthy prayer life is bred by faith. The more you trust God, the more you will pray. And if you are not praying and you're going, why is it hard for me to pray? One of the things you might look at is, what do I think about God? What do I think about God? Do you, if you struggle with prayer, it might be that you're filled not with faith, but with doubt. The Bible warns us that's one of the things, a lack of faith. Is, is doubt the reason you don't pray? Well, think about it. Do you doubt that God really cares for you? I mean, when you pray, are, are you kind of, when you pray, are you kind of unsure, even as you lift up the prayer, is God going to care about this? As you're praying, are you battling to even think, oh, why, was he even going to listen to me? And, and that seems humble, but it's not. It's a false humility because God tells you that that's not how he views prayer. That God tells you that's not how he feels about you. So you either in your false humility say, no, no, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. When in reality, you mean you're not telling the truth when you tell me you care about my prayers. You're not. When you tell me I'm your child, you don't really mean I'm your child. Because if you believe those things, you'd have confidence to pray. I mean, do your kids ever lack confidence to come to you and be like, tunk, 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 like over and over and over? And they've got reasons to not, because the last time they did it, you went, what? And you know, God has never done that to you. You've never been like, dear heavenly father, and like the roof split open and you're just like, fire. You know, that's never happened to you. And yet somehow our kids are more confident to come to us when we've had to confess sin to them than we are to believe our heavenly father when he's done nothing but good to us. Doubt is an evil weed that will choke out your prayer life. So kill it or it will kill your prayers. At least that's what Jesus says. So abundance can hinder our prayers. Doubt can hinder our prayers. Uh, but there is another common hindrance uh, to our prayer life. And this is generally the idea of disobedience. Disobedience hinders prayers. We, we actually looked at this. First uh, Peter chapter three, verse seven says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, 
showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay, some, some say, and we talked about some say that, the, that this prayer is hindered by God. You know, what does it mean that this prayer is hindered? Some say it's God hindering our prayers, that God is sort of, is sort of shutting off the, the, the prayers that we have until we obey him. Others say that, the, that it's hindered from our side, that because our hearts aren't, if your heart is, if you're living in disobedience, if you're not doing this, husbands, then your, your hearts are not going to want to pray. But whichever one it is, not, is not really the point. The point is that disobedience to God's command hinders prayer. Now, we know, we know that disobedience to God hinders prayer from his way. We, we know this uh, when we think of, uh, of prayers, we often think of it being hindered from our end. But sometimes, God, what does God say in Psalm 66, 18? It says, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So there is a hindrance that can come in our prayers if we're living in disobedience and holding on to disobedience and then still trying to pray, God says, if you're cherishing iniquity in your heart, I'm not going to listen to your prayers. And so, so one of the reasons that our prayers may seem forced is, you know, because they are. I mean, it might be that it might seem hard to pray because what we're doing is lifting praying hands from disobedient lives. And that is when you're like, I just, you know, in some ways we're like, it just feels like my prayers are sort of just hitting the ceiling. Well, they might be. But the reason isn't because God doesn't care. The reason is because you're living a disobedient life and you're praying when crying out to him to do this while knowingly holding on and cherishing sin. This is not some sin you don't know about. This isn't, you know, I'm going to pray, but I'm not sure if God's going to hear me because maybe there's a sin in my life that I don't know about. This is saying you are cherishing the iniquity. This is intentional, an intentional keeping of iniquity and intentionally not obeying him. He says, you do that, your prayers are going to be hindered. I, I will not hear. But, but it's, also, it's also true that disobedience doesn't just close God to us. Disobe- disobedience leads us away from prayer, in, in meaning that it, it, it hinders prayer on our end. I mean, think about it in this relationship in 1 Peter. A, a life in a, in a home in conflict, right? You're not, you're not treating your wife the way she needs to be. You're not being understanding with her. You're not showing her honor. You're not honoring your wife as the weaker vessel. You're not treating her like an heir of Jesus, like an heir of the grace of life. You're not treating her as if God dropped off one of his children in your house and you've got to watch out for her. You ever think about that? You ever think about how you treat other, like how when another parent drops off their child in your home, you're like, all right, everybody, let's look for choking hazards uh, and let's make sure that everything is good because they're going to come. And yet, and yet Peter says, you're, the wife that you're dealing with is, is an heir with you of the grace of life. This is one of an heir, meaning what? One of the children of God. And he's going to find out how you've treated that child, even when that child makes it a little hard. You know, we've all had the child that comes over and they're a little bratty, right? I don't, maybe, maybe I'm the only one. Maybe, you know, you have the child come over and you're like, ugh. And as a pastor, it's always harder because I feel like, well, now I know what I need to have a discussion with uh, the parents about subtly. Uh, And yet, 
God has given us this child. He says, look, if, so you can imagine if that life is strained, if that home is strained, well, then, of course, that, that continuous, contentious home is going to be one that destroys prayer. You'd be too distracted to pray. And two, because by not pursuing what he's called us to, we're feeding a type of life that feels no need for God. So he says, this is how you're supposed to treat your wife. And if you don't, not only is it going to hinder your prayer just practically, it's going to be a, like, it's going to be a home with always fighting. And, and that's normally not going to lead to prayer. But also, it's not going to lead to prayer in your heart because I've told you to do this and you have said no. So I've told you, husband, to do this. I've told you, child, to do this. And you've said, no, of course that's not going to lead to a heart that wants to pray. But if instead we submit ourselves to the lives and roles that God has given us, now that is drawing out the need for prayer. Obedience and submission are fertile ground for prayer. Disobedience disobedience is a is is like a wasteland for prayer and make no mistake if if obedience and submission is not in your heart your prayers will be hindered prayer will seem hard it will seem forced it will seem unnatural because it is it is unnatural for a life of disobedience to pray prayer will seem like pulling teeth disobedience discourages prayer prayer it it might might the issue for you be you know why is it why is it hard for me to pray why why even as we're looking at prayer and seeing how great it is why why is it hard why if so many of the saints in scripture rejoiced at prayer why is prayer hard for me might it be hard for you because there are areas in your life you know you're being disobedient in. And so the hindrance of prayer is really coming from both ways. So since there's disobedience that you are cherishing, the Lord is not hearing your prayers because he has told you, oh man, what you are to do and you have decided not to do that. So it's hindered that way, but then it's doubly hindered because the life of disobedience is not one that wants to go to the God that they're disobeying and mention things. Because even as, if, we, if you've ever prayed with a heart that you knew you were cherishing some sin, there is a foolishness to doing it. There is a feeling of, we all know this is messed up, right? So even as you're praying, the Holy Spirit is not silent. So you are lifting up this prayer and the thing in the back of your mind isn't God's not going to answer, but God knows. God knows. That's the whole time you're praying. You're like, Lord, I really want you. And all you can think in your mind is what you've done or refused to do that the very God you're praying to has told you to do. That conviction can make it hard to come to God. Again, maybe it feels like your prayers are hitting the ceiling because they are. But the window can be opened. Throw open the windows of prayer through confession and obedience. So let's talk. That's, those are three things, all the things that the Bible mentions. These are specific things that the Bible says, you're not praying because of this. 
These are the things that scripture says, here's the, we can all speculate as to other reasons. And I think you can probably put almost all of those reasons under one of these reasons. But these are things that the Bible says specifically, here's why you don't pray. And here's what can get in the way of prayer. So let's look at, let's look at some application. Let's look at these three things. One, the first, ask yourself, are, are you too comfortable to pray? Now, look, comfort is, is not a problem. Blessing is not a problem. The Bible warns us, though, that things will get in the way of prayer. And so maybe you don't pray because you just don't think about it much. And you don't think about it much because God has supplied you with so much. It's, it's funny. It's one of those weird things. It's often, this is what he talks about with the rich. It's often harder for the rich to tithe than the poor, even though they have more. And it's often, it is often harder for us to ask the more he's already given you. God's blessings aren't supposed to be a hindrance to prayer. Those blessings should encourage us to pray more. The problem isn't the blessing. The problem is when you forget how you got all of your blessings. When you begin to take your blessings for granted, when you begin to forget you've got a house because God has supplied you with a house. When you begin to forget that this food on your table, you don't just have to pray because you pray before you eat. The reason you pray before you eat is so that you don't forget this food didn't come from you. It came from him. And it might be easy to say, I've got enough in my bank account to buy food for the rest of my life. Look, that can be gone in a second. Taken from you and redistributed equally. That, that can, it can be gone in a moment when all of a sudden there's a lump somewhere. And everything that seemed so sure seems now so uncertain. And if it's in those moments that you feel more led to prayer than before, then the abundance was getting in the way of the prayer. The blessings had made you forget the blessor. So the Bible warns us, be careful, look at your life, look at your prayer. It might be that all of God's great blessings that because you haven't looked at them rightly, they've actually made you to forget or to not feel the need to pray. So is the reason that prayer feels like pulling teeth or the reason you don't pray? Maybe it is because you look at your life, you go, I haven't really thought about all these things that God has given me. And if he's given me all these things, well, what confidence to ask for more and to see all that he's supplied and to see that it, without him, any of these can be gone at any moment. I didn't get these things and I don't keep these things. They're all from him and to him forever. Maybe your prayers are hindered not by abundance, but by doubt. Maybe you need to look at yourself. Maybe, maybe the reason I don't pray is because I don't really trust God. You're not sure that he's listening. You're not sure that he cares. If that's how you feel about God, of course, of course your prayers will be hindered. Of course, it'll be hard to pray to someone you don't even think cares about you. But, but, when you feel that way, remember to say, get thee behind me, Satan. Remember that that's a lie. That you are believing a lie about God rather than what God has said and proven to be true about him. God has told you he cares. And that should be enough. That should be enough. It should be enough for you to have zero blessings from God and him to drop a piece of paper saying, I care. That should be enough for you to go, he cares, he told me. But that's not our situation. 
God has told us he cares and then has infinitely shown us and eternally shown us how much he cares. And still we doubt. Still we wonder. Still our faith is so fickle. Is the reason you don't pray because you lack faith in God. Maybe you don't think you're worth caring about, even though he tells you that you are. Maybe you believe what others say about you or what the world says about you or your spouse or your, or your, uh, or your co-workers or, or your conscience, whoever it is. Maybe you're listening to them instead of listening to him. Maybe you think God's distant. Listen, faith fuels prayer. Pray the prayer of that man whose child was demon-possessed. When he said, well, that great prayer we know, what does he say? I believe what? Help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. And if you struggle with doubt, let that be the first prayer that breaks the ice of your distrust in God. Let that thaw the heart that fears that God is cold or distant. Maybe your first prayer of a doubter is the prayer, I believe, help my unbelief. If you've ever struggled with doubt, faith, trust in God to pray. Cry out for faith. Maybe prayer is hard because of disobedience. You, you know your life is not where it needs to be. You know there are, there's a thing and maybe multiple things that you've done that when you did them, you went, this probably isn't the best thing to do. Why am I doing this? And then you did it again and again, and then you felt bad about it. You know you were supposed to stop, but you kept doing it. You might even be, keep doing it right now. And you get so down the rabbit hole of disobedience that you feel as if there's no way out. But you know you need to pray. There are things you need to pray for. But God says, if you hold on to if you cherish that disobedience, if you cherish that iniquity, just let me do it, God. This is the way I want to do it. This is what, how I want to live. And then go to him and ask him, but God, I could really use this. Maybe prayer is hard because you've shut the door and then wedged it shut with disobedience. Don't let your prayers be hindered. Oh, obedience makes for easy prayer. Your first prayer should be one of confession and repentance. If you know, if right, and the Holy Spirit is very gracious. He promises us that he will make our sins known to us. If we're talking about this and this is you, you know this right now. You're not going to have to come to me and say, Pastor, can you help divine my heart and see if there's iniquity that I'm cherishing? If we said maybe a disobedience is keeping you from prayer, you had probably one or two or three things come into your mind that you go, well, I do know about this. Well, of course your prayers are going to be hindered. So confess those things, repent of them. That's the great thing about the Christian life is that we're not going to throw any penance on you to have to do. Confess them, repent of them, and begin praying. Find the windows of prayer thrown wide open by a God who is far more faithful than you are. But what's funny about these three things is that maybe it's not the first one, maybe it's not the second one, maybe it's not the third one, maybe it's all of them. 
Many of us, when we look at these things, we can see bits of all of these. I mean, think about it. Maybe, maybe your abundance does draw, has drawn in some ways your focus away from praying. And then even when you are moved to pray, so you don't think about prayer very much because your life's pretty easy. So that's one reason it's hard to pray. But then on top of that, even when you are moved to pray, your mind is somewhat filled with doubt. You're not sure that God cares. You're not sure that God will answer. And so your prayers are squelched a little more. And then on top of those things, there's sin that you're holding on to. The disobedience, that makes you almost embarrassed to pray. Well, of course, with all of those at work, with each one of those things that the Bible says, this can hinder prayer and this can hinder prayer and this can hinder prayer. And you've got all three wrapped up in your Easter basket of prayer problems. And you're wondering, why is it hard for me to pray? Maybe it's those things. Maybe it is all Three of those. I mean, it's, it's, of course prayer will be a struggle if you've got all of those. I mean, it's amazing your prayer life isn't downright comatose. And the, I love, I love the, the three, and I didn't do this on purpose. I have to promise Zachary I didn't do it on purpose because he hates alliteration or anything like that. But maybe you have prayer ADD, right? I mean, the, the, these were abundance, right? These, I mean, this, I didn't do this on purpose, right? Abundance, doubt, disobedience. Maybe you've got ADD when it comes to prayer. That's a good way to remember. What things does the Bible mention might be causing problems with my prayer life? Why do I have prayer ADD? Abundance, uh, uh, I almost forgot my own one. Uh, Abundance, doubt, and disobedience. Maybe that's what it is. So what can you do? What is the answer if you're looking at these things and problems in them, I'll tell you this. The, the chief answer that will burn away these things is to fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Fix your eyes on Christ. You go, how, how so? Well, if your eyes are on Christ, then you'll see all of your abundances as fruit of his work. Every blessing that God gives you will spring from the relationship you have with him. Your your blessings then will not be meaningless or frivolous. Every blessing that you have will have a purpose. It will be it will come from him and it will meant to be used for him. Your blessings will never turn into things that cause you to forget about God, but rather treasures that keep him ever in your mind and your needs ever on your lips. If your eyes are on Christ, then every child you have is a child with a purpose. Every meal you have is a meal that God has given you for a purpose to sustain you, to grow, so that he might show his goodness in your family, that you might be strong enough to go and proclaim his word. Every abundance will be centered on him, and you will never be able to forget about God because even your abundances will remind you of him. If your eyes are on Christ, you'll never doubt God. You'll never be lacking for faith. Is he going to bring justice to you? Well, of course. He brought you justice when all you deserved was guilt. Of course he'll bring you justice. Will he delay? The only delay you've ever known God to make in your life is delay in giving you the wrath that you deserved. That's the only delay you've ever known. Instead, answering the prayer for life that he put on your lips. If your eyes are on Christ, you'll never lack for faith. And that means you'll never lack for prayer. If your eyes are on Christ, you will never cherish your disobedience. Thinking of what your Savior did for you will cause you to run from sin and cling to obedience. Not only then will you cherish your prayers, but you'll hate anything that could hinder them. This is the prayer life we have. The Bible tells us there are things that can hinder our prayer lives. It lays them out for us and we can see ourselves in many of them. So fix your eyes on Christ. 
and pray. There's no need for them to be hindered. God has laid these out, not as some sort of woe is me thing. This is what gets us, but to look, to know, and to conquer through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Take a moment. Was the thing you struggled with uh, abundance? pray even if you feel like you don't struggle with abundance it would be it would be silly for us to think that we're the one people in all of humanity that can have a whole bunch of stuff and that never hinder our prayers in any way or ever tempt our prayers to be hindered you've got so much stuff every single one of you we have so much stuff that that stuff could hinder our prayer lives so even right now even if you don't think it has pray that it never will Pray humbly, knowing, knowing, because if you're humble about it, what are you going to do? You're going to always make sure that you, you have your eyes where they need to be. That your abundance never causes you to forget about God, but always to remember him. Maybe your problem was doubt. I mean, when you look at how you've prayed or how you've thought about prayer, do you struggle with doubting God? You've got no reason to. If you have, just just confess that. Just pray like we said, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me to believe that you are who you say you are and who you've shown yourself to be. Let God melt that doubt away. And you'll find that prayers flourish. Maybe yours is disobedience. Maybe there's a sin that you're holding on to or sins. And you wonder why your prayers have are hindered you wonder why they don't feel right it's because you've cherished sin instead of cherishing your lord you've held on to a sin that you know you shouldn't and held on it for who knows how long of course your prayers are hindered because you know you've cherished that sin and he knows let us fix our eyes on because it might be all three let us fix our eyes on christ Pray that we will see our abundance through the eyes of Christ. Pray that we'll we'll deal with doubt through the life and witness of Jesus Christ about who God is. Pray that, that our love for him and this week that we're about to celebrate and celebrate, oh, what he did for us on the cross, he paid for penalty for my sin. How can we still cherish sin then? Let us fix our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. Father, we come to you as your children. We come confidently today, God, because we know who you are. We do not come in doubt. We have not come to worship you in doubt, and we do not pray in doubt. Not because of how great we are, but because of how great you are and what you tell us about us and about our prayers and what you feel about them. And so we lift them up as incense to you, that you love our prayers. And Father, we ask that, God, you would show us anything in our lives that might be hindering us to pray. That today, Father, you would reveal that to us and you you already have because you gave us your word. Your word has already revealed these things. You have already done what we are asking you to do. And we pray, Father, that you would continue to do it. That you would drive out anything in our lives that might make our prayer life less than what it can be. Anything that would hinder us from praying. Please, Father, we ask these things because of who Jesus is. And we pray that you would fix our eyes on him as the great antidote for any hindrance to prayer. So we ask these things in his name. Amen.